there's no better feeling than a personal win. And the State Farm Personal Price Plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome, welcome, welcome to F1 with DRS. I'm Dan Shepard. I'm joined by Charlie, Jethro, and Matthew. Three different countries represented today in our locales, which is very exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, right before, and I'm blaming this on Rob and Jonathan, they had not hit record in a timely fashion, and we missed out. Go ahead. I mean, I, wa- I have a backup recording, but the cameras were being set up. Still. Exactly. So you weren't recording. It's Jonathan and Wabi Wabi's <laughs> fault. We had a tasty little conversation about, because Matt had observed that Charlie looked like what today? Like an East London cocaine dealer. <laughs> And if you're not watching us on video, which, you know, you should, who would not take an opportunity to stare at Charlie? But you're in a very shiny tracksuit. It's too bright. It's hard to see. I thought Charlie had a contract that he could only wear tank tops (laughs) because now we're on video. We need need it on the I've got it just in case. (laughs) I've got our F1 tank top because... You know, temperature is a big issue. For it me. fluctuates dramatically in here, especially mm. as tempers rise. But at any <laughs> rate, it led to a conversation. I asked Jethro, what do they call cocaine? Uh, what's the code word for it in London? We normally go gear. Yeah. Sometimes nose bag. Um, but mostly gear, I think. Gack. Yeah, gack. You know what's interesting? I never called it straight gack, but I would always say we were gacked up. With a G or with a Y? G. Not yacked up. No, you say yacked up? We would say yacked up. No, No, that means you've puked up. That means you've been sick if you've yacked up in the UK. Yeah, if you yak, yak, but... Well, too much gack and you might yak. That's true. I never yacked from too much gack, but I did get loose in the caboose uh, (laughs) many, many times. In fact, that's kind of how you know when it's working. You're like, ooh, time to go right now to the bathroom. (laughs) Then buckle up for an incredible night. And then, well, I didn't, I think I found this more interesting. Uh, Jethro had asked what we call ecstasy. Do you call X? And I think, yes, we did in the 90s and early aughts, but um, it's really evolved into Molly. And then we just found out, what what do you guys call it over there? Yeah, we have Mandy. So you have Molly, we have Mandy. <laughs> Can you explain that? Because well, I don't know why Molly makes sense to me, but for some reason it makes sense. But what do we know where Mandy comes from? MDMA, isn't it? Oh. So maybe it's, mm-hmm. it just sounds like it's the closest name that a person off their face on MDMA could come up with to rhyme or to sound alike. And now it's just spread. Mm-hmm. Mandy. I think I prefer Mandy to Molly. Mandy. I mean, I love yeah, Molly. Yeah. We have a Molly in our life, and we all love yeah. Molly. But there is an M and a D in Mandy and it makes, MDMA. It makes more phonetical sense. Yeah, now I want to know where Molly came from. I do, too. Yeah. Okay. Well, we've that was our uh, new segment on street names for drugs in different <laughs> countries. I bet um, you feel, Matt, in jeopardy even discussing drugs at your current location. Uh-huh. I'm looking around a little bit, and I'm kind of a little worried. <laughs> To be honest with you, it's like, it's multiple times while I'm here, I'll be like, I'll say something and I'm like. You're in Dubai, right? Yeah, I'm in Dubai. And it was the most intimidating security entrance. Do you think there was a language barrier? Well, Dubai, almost everyone speaks English here. It's a wildly kind of multicultural place. But there's also a happiness telephone line here. So there's a number, everyone knows about it. You call, like the girl I was with, her boyfriend lost his phone in a taxi. You call this number and you were like, okay, a car picked me up here, dropped me off here. That's all you have to tell them. They then go and have a bunch of people that figure out where your shit was. And almost every person I've talked to is like, yeah, my shit was back at my house in an hour. And this is, I've asked multiple people this. So this this is a national concierge service, you're saying? Yeah. I've been derelict in my duties to tell people the results of the race that have not seen it. Remember, this was brought to my mm-hmm. attention. Some people listen who didn't get to watch the race. So I just want to, right out of the gates, 
say. Our winners were Max Verstappen in first, uh, Piastri in second, and Lando in third. Let's get that out right away. Um, what an eventful race. And weekend. Yes. The whole weekend. I actually, it's almost like the race wasn't the big thing. There was so much that happened beforehand with inter-team rivalries and tires and tracks being changed. It was like a festival of craziness for the whole weekend. It really was. It's hard not to jump right to the race, but I do think we should go in order. So yeah, they changed the track from its last race uh, two years ago. They changed the curbs. The curbs were too hard on the tires, right? The tur turns are too fast. It's too hot. And the curbs were potentially going to make the, the tires explode. Is that the impetus for they that were like razor blades those curbs it was crazy seeing those things they changed the track very last minute right people were painting i think even between maybe quali and the race they yeah. changed by a lot like a 80 centimeters i heard yes what's that three feet i was doing that math for way longer than i should have i'm like yeah. 80 centimeters 30 and a foot <laughs> i guess 100 centimeters yeah. is a meter oh, 100 you went that way right yeah. so point eight of three feet yeah uh, so 2.6 <laughs> okay it was a great opportunity this weekend to brush up on your metrics you can't say 2.6 feet you you can't start using metric for your feet no 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 it's not gonna work <laughs> also what was aggravating was like uh, clearly it was 195 degrees but i never did get the temp in fahrenheit i just kept I hearing celsius all yeah weekend. i didn't bother it was too hot 41 i guess I guess that, degrees. that's hot enough to kill you, apparently. <laughs> but, okay, Quali was very, very dramatic on Friday, right after P1. Lando's time was deleted after he had already stepped up to that little post-Quali interview. Yeah, but I think he knew he was just waiting for them to hand down that punishment. Because everyone kind of knew, and even his reaction in the car is like, he knew he was over. It did feel weird that he had to step up there. That one was definitely known, I agree. Yeah. And he's just kind of waiting for Piastri to take his position. Yep. But we don't really know at that point Piastri's gone too. Yep. So the whole thing was a real waste of time. Yeah, so the whole weekend, there was the, the, it was started off here, wasn't it? But track limits was a massive issue. These curbs, the idea behind them is they sort of create a natural track limit because if you go a certain point, there's a big drop off and you ground out the bottom of the car, which is a big penalty. And the idea is that will stop people going outside the track limits. Unfortunately, they were so ruinous to the tyres that they had to effectively change the way that was being policed. And we were sort of back to a line that they had to cross. And if they crossed it by one millimetre, it was, it was game over. So there was endless laps being deleted almost immediately. It was really annoying to watch. It's kind of frustrating. <laughs> I don't love it. Yeah, But then I got to say, many of the drivers didn't do it. Like Max didn't really do it. Maybe once no. all weekend he had a yeah, single maybe, lap or maybe. something. So, I, you know, as mad as I get so frustrated and it bogs the whole thing down. But then I, I, we have a few examples where it can be done. Yeah. I mean, we saw that. What was the last race where we had these track limits? And it's fun to see it once. All of them deleted as they come in, deleted. But I don't need any more. Like, it's too much. we got to, like, track all move on. Move on. We're, we're it, done. It, it feels like if it's a regular problem, it, I mean, it can't be beyond these engineers who build these incredible cars and do all these incredible things to come up with a solution that actually works. I think and the curb is the perfect solution. If you screw up your lap time, you screw up your car, if you go outside of track limits, that's it. Instead of some arbitrary line that's... But then they break the tires, so they need to change the tires. Well, that's it's like more incentive somehow to it's stay not on. joined up. Like, join up the two people who are sorting this stuff out or the whole organization because yeah it's a joke at the minute but all these like street circuits where we have the wall right there they have no choice but to mm. stay within track limits because they're yeah. going to hit the wall well the curb is essentially the same thing if it's going to destroy their car just stay in there yeah what do you think their argument jethro for, from taking that approach is that they'd be dealing with punctures and people uh, dangerously re-entering the pits or what yeah the, the problem with these curbs in particular is they were when Pirelli looked at them, they saw that they were degrading the sidewall and the tread of the tire was effectively separating and that becomes dangerous. So you could rattle the curbs and still be within track limits, uh, fine, but you're actually damaging the tire and then they're potentially let go and it's dangerous if you're doing, you know, these are super high-speed turns, high G-force turns. So that was the problem. But then if they want that solution, it's just a matter of going to the tire supplier and saying, build tires that can cope with this. It's just, I think it's... it 
caught them by surprise. Now, if you, I don't know how it's organized over there, but let's just say there is a human who owns this track. Can you imagine the amount of stress this weekend as the owner of that event? Because everything just, it started bad and then it got worse and worse and worse. And it does seem now at the end of the weekend that they probably should never go back there. Uh, we'll, we'll earmark that. But like, it just got so bad. Everyone ends up in the hospital afterwards. If I own this thing and, you know, it's my second time hosting it, I got to think, what a stressful and miserable weekend. The fact that they had to paint it mid-race weekend, <laughs> like not two weeks before, even a week before would have seemed crazy, but they had already run and they, uh, like, you know, two sessions and then they had to go repaint it. That's <laughs> insane. Yeah. And then um, this is just a, a tiny grievance. Obviously, this has already happened this season, but I don't think I've noticed it. They've run out of ways to tell you what you're watching on Sprint Weekends. The The fact that Sprint Quali is called Sprint Shootout, yeah, I find to be incredibly confusing. Because when I go into my DVR and I'm trying to watch just that, it says like Sprint Shootout. And I think, that's cool. That's what they're calling that's the, the race. race. Yeah, yeah. They're, th that's what it is. It's the Sprint Shootout. Why have they named Quali for Sprint Sprint Shootout? It sounds like they're doing another race for the sprint race. <laughs> a third race. A third yeah. race. It should be sprint, sprint qualifying. That's pretty simple. Yeah, they call each individual session like SQ1, SQ2, SQ3, sprint qualifying. Yeah. So just call it sprint qualifying in the first place. Or this is this will be crazy in novel. How about just go back to the fucking sprint determines the starting order so that the sprint uh -huh. is quality. There's a lot to keep track of. And I still don't know if I like the order of qualifying meaning that it's like, p2 now like i don't think the race qualifying should be before all the other stuff like maybe do sprint yeah. qualifying let them you build almost, up to it a it little almost bit. makes more sense you're right to go p1 uh sprint qualification and then p3 is really quality for the race on sunday then the sprint the sprint. Then. Mm -hmm. but all of it is so confusing and they had a system that in my mind worked really really well on sprint weekends which is just the 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 finishing order determine the starting grid on the race uh, can yeah. we vote on that am i the only one that thinks that was a superior system it was yeah I think it was. The only thing I do like is them having one session and then straight into qualifying. I, I love mm. that because they can't spend forever setting up the cars. It's really much more instinctive which drivers can hop in the car, learn the track, learn the car, learn the track limits, push. And I, I think that's spectacular. So that that I really like. But I agree with you, uh, read the format. I love that too. That is really cool. They basically pull the car out of the trailer and then go. You're in a fucking qualifying session. Let's see what you got. Yeah, and then they give you four laps with the new track limits to better <laughs> yes, refresh the track. It, and then repaint it. Yeah. They change it. Gave them 10 more minutes. <laughs> the problem is they're so advanced, these teams. They've got so much data to, to lean on and so much they can change on the car that... When you just keep honing it and honing it, the order becomes pretty obvious. It's basically, you know, whatever's the fastest car, whatever's the second fastest car, whatever. But when you can mix it up like that, it's like jump in, drive the wheels off the car, done. It just rewards bravery and talent, car control, all the things we love. You're so right. It's basically like having rain. It kind of neutralizes all the built-in advantages that the more well-funded. Uh-oh, he's got his... <laughs> Matt's got go. his first okay. inquiry into some of the things that were said in his hotel room. <laughs> well, luckily, the content creation crew that's been working with Dyson gave me this room, and the cleaners are in here right now and, and unfortunately don't speak English, and they were just showing me a key, and I guess I have to lock up, but I don't know the people who own this facility. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what's about to happen. So I guess I'm responsible for all the things in here. But no sure you're still recording. Thing. Okay, let's pause our race <laughs> debrief and let's go back to Dubai. Did you do your desert day? Did you go out into the dunes? I did, and it, and it ties in so good to what happened in the race yesterday. So <laughs> we go, we, we're ready to go. Like, first of all, I am obsessed with Dubai. I've thought about moving here multiple times while I've been here. Oh, wow. So we go on this race. We go down. We get there. It's hot. We get like you know, our head wraps and kind of all that stuff ready for the desert because it's obviously sand. We go to the place. They're in a Land Cruiser. They lower the pressure of all the tires. And then this guy starts ripping through the desert on the Land Cruiser. We get to the facility. There's like brand new razors. There was one with the one girl that had a roof on the top. The other ones don't. And we're, it's prime heat, 107 degrees, probably 100% humidity. It is toasty. 
So we start ripping around. We're having a great time. We're going by camels. We're ripping. We're like doing probably 70% of what we would do in the dunes. We stop, take some pictures. We continue on. We're probably like 10 minutes from being done. And the guy in front of me is just barefoot on a four-wheeler with no helmet on. Like he's <laughs> ripping this desert. <laughs> but he knows it. Barefoot. And he, it's crazy. So he looks, <laughs> he keeps looking behind to see if the girls are behind me because the girls let me go in front so I could rip. Mm. And he looks back and he looks at me and he's like, we got to turn around. So I'm thinking, I rolled it or something happened. We see both of the cars on the top of the sand dunes. And I see the one girl running out to the other car. Uh And we go in and one of the people is fully heat stroke seized. Like whole full body cramps. Like I've never seen anything like it. Like the body was contorted in a way like, you know, when you get a knee cramp and you're in so much pain, it was her whole body to that. She's obviously in excruciating pain. We're filling up water. We're telling this guy to go get help. We're putting like water on the towels, putting it all over her. We don't know what to do. I'm Googling like, I've never truly seen heat stroke. I've seen heat exhaustion, but can I ask what your specific Google search was? What are the symptoms of heat stroke? Oh, okay, really? okay. Not how, like, how to rescue like, person ex- in hundred. Okay. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and it says extreme cramping. So obviously, we're like, okay, at least we know it's something like that. They go get the Land Cruiser, which the Land Cruiser should not even have been in the area that we were in. But he ripped up there. We first get her into the front seat in the AC. Now he's ripping out of the desert in this Land Cruiser. I am smashed. I'm in the backpack, smashing my head. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, sorry. But you guys have now just deserted the three razors. They're just yeah. sitting in Gone. the dunes. Oh, they're leaving. I think they brought other people to like take them back. Six or something. more guys riding two up on quads with no shoes and no. Yeah. <laughs> okay. We call an ambulance. So finally we get her in the thing. She goes to the hospital. And then me and the one final girl, we go back to the hotel and we're, you know, when a crisis happens and you can't stop hysterically laughing. Uh That was us for the next two hours, just dying laughing. But then it was interesting is when I was watching the race, because she kind of felt bad. She was like, I'm so, when she got better, she went to the hospital, got IVs. And after a few hours, the muscles started to unseize. And she was like, I'm so sorry, Matt, that I ruined your day. I I feel so bad. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like, just so you know, if you don't feel bad, like five professional athletes yesterday in the same weather, but at night had the exact same thing happen to them. Okay. Well, God, well wishes to her. What an event. I love that everyone just ditched all the, like, well, now I don't want to say gear because mm-hmm. I don't mean Coke. But ditched all the equipment, just left all the razors. Also, I wouldn't have mind seeing the um, ambulance driver air down and come out to the yeah, scene. That, that would have been the move. And just to give the exact example you're referencing about the Saudis in Glamis, Glamis is, you know, this 400 square miles of sand dunes in California. They're epic. You really got to have a razor or a really amazing truck to be out in the middle of it. I mean, even dudes in razors are stuck nonstop. And my buddy Kenny and I came over a hill in the dead middle of the sand dunes in my sand car. And there was a 1998 Ford Crown Victoria (laughs) slow profile street tires in the middle of the sand dune. Two dudes from Saudi Arabia on vacation. Oh, my God. That we ended up finding on the side of the road later that night in one of those enormous tents and chatted with them. And they drove a Crown Victoria out there. And I thought, yeah, there's some skill sets that we can't even fathom happening Uh out there. So just all props. It was that story that made me confident in this guy's driving (laughs) skills in a Land Cruiser through, like, (laughs) stuff that you could get stuck in a Razor. Okay, incredible, incredible. All right, now back into the race. The sprint. Yeah. The sprint was radical, of course, because Piastri got his first win. And I don't know about you guys, but I I actually welled up when they were interviewing him. The sweet, sweet smile he had on his face, so out of words. He has nothing to say, Piastri, uh, but so cute and (laughs) so sweet looking. And it just couldn't be happier for him. Yeah, I was pretty pumped. I was more pumped that he got his win before Lando. Yes, for some weird reason, Uh I enjoy that too, even though I like Lando. Why do we like that? I don't know. (laughs) I was thinking about it too, especially when he congratulated him so quickly. Mm -hmm. Lando congratulated Piastri pretty Mm -hmm. quickly. And something about it, I don't know. I was like, I don't know why I'm so pumped that that Piastri got it first, but I was. It's kind of like 
you know, rooting for Max to keep that streak going or something. Like, this isn't a mm. good streak to have, but it's a streak nonetheless that Lando hasn't won. <laughs> that so Lando I could, know. part of me is like, let's keep this baby rolling. <laughs> okay, you want to keep this You want Lando going. to never win a race. Is that what you're saying? You have a 12-year career, no wins. In like a record number of podiums and no wins. Second most points in the history of F1, but never yeah. a podium. Yeah. But <laughs> well, wasn't it kind of sad to see then, like, he wins and it's so cool, and then you see Max's car pull up into that, like, I number one that. spot we got because he got the chance. Championship, and I'm like, this is so dumb. And then you're seeing the bird's eye shots of Max. It looks like there's 50 people around celebrating his championship. Like no one was there. Like why didn't you let the crowds in? Like it was a loss for both guys, basically. Yeah. I mean, we predicted this too. Yeah, we, we said like what yes. an anticlimactic uh, championship to win on the sprint and no celebration. We thought last year was bad, like just zero celebration. This was worse with like kind of. Yeah. They put one foot in there. Like they gave right. him that big light show and he pulled his car up. He didn't even win. Yeah, I know. It was in then Piastri <laughs> didn't get to pull his Nothing. car up and we would have liked that. So it was a loss across the board. It was worse than anticipated. But there was a theme this weekend. I don't know if you guys detected it, but I'll say of any race I've ever watched, the theme this weekend was drivers being abnormally gracious to their teammates. So what I thought was really cool about the sprint interviews afterwards is that Lando immediately just said, I made a lot of mistakes. Piastri made no yeah. mistakes and he deserves to be there. And I thought, wow, that was very un-Lando-esque. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He, he was really, really kind and supportive of Piastri all weekend and copped to his own mistakes and just said... Well, the alternative, though, is him saying he made no mistakes and Piastri beat him. It's a little self-preservation, perhaps. <laughs> saying, oh, yeah, I, I made all these mistakes. I drove like shit, missed my mark several times, so that's why... And I, almost beat Piastri, yeah. but congratulations. But congratulations, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did say he would have been on pole if he didn't beat track limits, I think, at least four times in interviews, for sure. <laughs> okay, I'm keeping with the theme, because obviously we get to see Sir Lewis Hamilton also act kind of uncharacteristic this weekend but we'll get to that i suppose yeah okay anything about the sprint anyone wants to call out i just i don't even remember how max got in fifth but i love that lap nine he just started hunting he just went hunting and he just picked off fourth and third in one lap and yeah but it was really rad to see piastri hold him off to see that he wasn't even chewing away at that gap once he got up there that's the cool thing about him is that he's so calm Like, he doesn't seem like a rookie in any way. Whenever there's a pressure situation, like, Lando did have the speed. Like, he could have been on pole, um, both for main qualifying and the sprint shootout. He should have had all these things. But he sort of just lost his head at the crucial moment, and Piastri didn't. He's, like, super cool. And then, like you say, he's being hunted down by Verstappen, who basically doesn't really hunt people down. He just overtakes them whenever Mm -hmm. he likes. And he just kept the gap exactly the same and then he let it come in a little bit for the last lap because he knew he'd done it and it was just pretty special for a young kid to be able to do that with Verstappen coming at you is very good and also we should mention Prez spinning again because why not it's been 12 minutes since we've talked about Prez going into the gravel or fucking up in some way or another Uh uh-huh yeah Really fucking bummer of a weekend for Perez. We had a great radio from George in the in the sprint. He made it. He passed for Sappin and and said over the radio that was a big move. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, yes. He congratulated, he congratulated him himself, himself, himself right up. I was yeah. like, oh, come on. We have a saying in AA, which is like, pause when agitated. And he just, they, he needs to have as a as a policy, pause when something good happens. Because never Big none of, move. Come <laughs> on. Big move. That's how we roll. <laughs> <laughs> he does need to pause. Like, mm-hmm. He needs to. And he, or he maybe even needs to bring in a writer and like plan for a few different outcomes. Yeah. Like, hey, man, if you end up winning this, so. like, this is what we're saying. <laughs> plan C, strategy C, you know, say this. <laughs> he needs a game plan. This is an opportunity for AI. Instead of George yeah. Russell having radio, they could have AI like a program. George Russell saying cool things yes. at the right moment. <laughs> and just, and just feed it into the radio because it's never going to happen if you just rely on him to do it. Yeah, the uh, program's called AI Perfect Response. And he just hits a button and it's a perfect response. <laughs> right? Like that would have been cool to be like, woo, barely got by. Let the team yeah. tell you you're great. <laughs> 
You don't need to point out your big move. Come on. Uh, big big move. move. Boy, and then those softs lasted about 30 seconds, yeah. man. That oh that that God. sprint was so crazy because it looked like, oh, this whole oh thing God. flipped. And then three laps later, we're like, oh, no, yeah. it did not. And we're going right back to the starting order. That soft versus medium battle was so fun to watch and see how, like, quickly they changed. And with the safety cars, we're like, shit, the softs are going to do it. And they didn't. They degraded insanely fast. Yeah. And then it just all tumbled. It would have been interesting to see what that race would have been like without three safety cars or however many we had. Mm-hmm. There's so, I mean, half of that ray, that sprint was Listen, under yeah. a safety car. Which goes to show, we, we talk about it, like, what do they need to do for the sprint to make them push? You know, like, uh-huh. they're still going to compete. And, I mean, they just can't go out there and drive and not compete. Yeah, they were it's going impossible. for it. As soon as they start, I'm like, oh, yeah, these guys are going to compete no matter what they do. No matter what is at stake for that race, they're going to compete. I think Lando was the one who said it is like, even imagine what the advantage of the mediums would have been had there not been so many safety car laps as well. Like, the, you know, you could add some of these guys finishing like 13th that had uh-huh. been up front. Okay, race day. Race day. What a race. Turn one. It all starts in turn one. Lewis gets bold, tries to go to the outside. Ends up pinching George quite badly. Um, yeah. Slams into him for all. Pinching intensity. is generous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. And it, while he's still spinning, he's not even landed. He's blaming George. My Just he, taken yeah. out by my teammate. Taken out by my own teammate. Uh, that's a champion's response. <laughs> How did you feel, Charlie, as a big Lewis fanboy? Because <laughs> to me, he actually had the move pretty much or if he'd have just opened his steering by two degrees, he would have just driven around the outside of them. I don't yeah. get why. That yeah. was a pretty big misjudgment. Like, he could have overtaken them. Yeah. It seemed like a strategy issue for me because he was on the softs. Clearly was going to be mm-hmm. faster up front. George should have. He didn't need to, but strategy-wise, should have backed off and let Lewis get around and get up in front of Max. And then they could have played a little team game. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know why he cut in. I think he thought he had, had him pass, but. I think that was the result of the previous two races that had been burbling up and he was making a statement. No, I'm lead driver. I'm taking this turn. You're backing up. I think it was deeper than great strategy. I think it was very much a slapping him on the ass move. I agree, but I feel like he could have made it. He could have made it. He could have made it work. There was room. That's what I mean. It's like he he didn't need to do that cut and he would have made the corner and overtaken them both around the outside, it felt like. I completely agree with you, which is why, since he didn't do that and he chose to go, I'm owning this now, this I'm taking the line now, it, to me, felt like the fuck you. That's that's my proof that it was a slap on the nose beyond just trying to get track position. I'm confused because I think Hamilton is mega, and I feel like in wheel-to-wheel racing this season, he's either done what he's often done in the past, which is just to back out of the moves because he knows he can live to fight another day and he's got a quicker car, or he's crashed. It, it's He's never been aggressive and made stuff stick, really, except when he was bundling George off the track at Suzuka last time around. But it, generally speaking, he's either backed out of stuff or made mistakes. And I'm just surprised that that's happening to him, I have to say. Yeah, I wonder what we could call that aspect of racing, whereas Alonso is like apex, right? He can be in those battles for 59 laps with an inch between the cars, and he always drives out of them. I don't know what that that specific skill is, but I'd agree Lewis doesn't seem to have it as much in, anymore. Yeah. And in the race itself, we should have said, is that these mandated pit stops, didn't we? So the the tires could only yeah. do a maximum of 18 laps. Um, so if you had a new set of tires, you could do 18 laps, but a lot of them are still having to use use sets from practice and qualifying, etc. So some of them might only have 15 laps or 14 laps or whatever. So it changed the way they were racing completely. And it went back, actually, to the old school racing where there was refueling and you didn't have to worry so much about tyres degrading. So it was like three pit stops and sprint races in between because they could push like crazy. And it was Lando who sort of figured that out first and was like, I'm not managing anymore. I'm going because the tyres are not worn out after 18 laps. We're just being told we have to change them. So he knew he was the first one to trigger oh, right, I can just push to 100% the whole time. And that's what was happening throughout the race. And gradually everyone else realized the same thing. Yeah, it really shined a light on the fact that they do manage in under normal circumstances. Mm-hmm. They really do manage a ton. I, I guess I underestimated how much they were managing. But to see them, yes, in three sprint races, perfect way to say it, 
was really new and I didn't realize that they had it in them. I think that's why it was such a perfect storm. It was way too fucking hot to be racing. Plus, they were driving at 100%. I think maybe Lando said, it was, or maybe Piastri is like 59 quali laps. Yeah, Max is running like 125s, which is not far off from the qualifying pace. Max is the only one cruising, though. Yeah. He's just like, was it hot? Didn't yeah. even notice. Yeah. Oh, my God. The best was the <laughs> yeah the, the post-race interview. And Piastri's already said it was the hardest race of his life. And we've heard Lando say it was the hardest race of his life. Guys are leaving in stretchers. <laughs> and Max could only give it top five. And you could feel like that was a concession. I think what he really wanted to say was like, I don't know that it makes the top ten. Didn't notice, yeah. <laughs> he, he's the guy that does no training, probably was hammered the night before, and somehow he drove faster than everybody. He was well, quite fine when he got out And Yost was there, so they probably went out and celebrated that, <laughs> that championship for yeah, sure. Yeah, he rehydrated with Grey Goose for sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> and Red Bull. But I like to think he says all that, but then walked into a garage, collapsed, because he's just been putting on a front and then got helicoptered <laughs> out with a, with a drip in. Just, it's just he won't <laughs> show any weakness to anyone. Yeah, is it that or is he just a physical specimen? He's a phenom. I, I'm, I like thinking yeah. he's just a phenom. He's a phenom. I think he is, and he's... He, <clears throat> The rest of them were flat out the whole time, and I think that was a huge contributing factor to the obviously the heat. But yeah. they used to driving at you know, let's say ninety percent, ninety five percent even. But those last few percent are the ones that kill you, and and that's why they all struggled so much. I think crazy that Ocon threw up on lap fifteen and just kept going through throws up in his helmet. Yeah, oh. I had wrote down his quote. He said he was, I was throwing up lap 15 and 16 for two laps, I think, he said. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm out after that. I'm done. You I'm, are. I'm done. <laughs> yeah. That smells horrible in the heat. hot as oh. hell. Come and out. Come I know out. we've talked a lot about whether or not the guys pee and or have had diarrhea in the car we've really not even explored how often they're throwing up in their helmet in races and oh my God. we learned this weekend that that's happening because someone else i thought maybe had thrown up as well alcon's getting a lot of attention for his throw up but it got wild i don't i mean first they they offer uh for sergeant to retire the car on lap 35 which at first i interpreted that as like they're afraid he's going to crash and they want to save the car mm-hmm. i didn't realize the conditions were as bad but then another clue yeah. came when and i don't did you guys notice this during the telecast that george got on the straightaway and took his hands completely off the steering wheel yeah. rested his Yes, rested his wrists on top of the wheel and then was trying to, like, get air into the cockpit. And every time down the pit lane, he was popping his visor open. They were all popping their visors. But the down the straight was insane. Fully both hands off, like, getting them out, <laughs> like, gear. getting some e- air in there. That was insane. Yes, 300-plus kilometers, no hands, tr- fucking waving <laughs> air in. Like, you're a kid with the windows yeah, down with no air. Yeah, yeah. trying to scoop air into the back seat. I'm surprised Max doesn't do that with his hand like just kind of just the, foot out the window left yeah. foot <laughs> when logan was going to retire the announcers even got on him a little when he finally yeah was like i'm pulling it in and they're like well at least they'll get a car back in one piece you know <laughs> like oh well, <laughs> i thought the most dangerous part of the entire race is once he did acknowledge he he's gonna come in and then he was oh, like oh he stop. downshifted down to second and i was like is he going to stop on the fucking track right now? I thought he was going to die because after what I saw, I was like, oh, no. Like, this is going to be way worse than people think it is. You're going to get the guy with no shoes in the quad to run out there and lead him back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I thought he, like, had some sort of seizure or something yeah. and was just mm-hmm. going to stop on track because he was, he was like, almost parked at the apex of corners when, when like, uh, Verstappen was coming past him. He was nearly stopped at one point, like, yeah, I yeah. even thought I saw on the steering wheel like that stall thing flash or something. I was like, oh, gosh, this is getting really fucking dangerous. He's parked. I guess they were saying he was trying to let people over and not fuck up anyone else's. But it got crazy mm-hmm. dangerous. It, it seemed like he was not doing a great job of that. I don't. I, yeah, yeah, I think his brain was fried, wasn't it? He was not thinking straight. I mean, he spun again. Was it in the sprint race or in quali? It's just a nightmare yeah. for him, isn't it? I, I feel like he he should voluntarily almost give up that seat at this stage. It's just not going well. I know he had a little moment of nearly out-qualifying Albon, didn't he? But even that got taken away at him at the very last second. Stay tuned for more F1 with DRS.
This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cashback rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cashback boost. That's an extra 10% cashback on top of Big Give Week's 15% cashback. You won't see higher cashback rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. With Capella University's FlexPath format, you can set your own deadlines, learn at your pace, and access most coursework from anywhere at any time. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. The other person that now has been revealed was struggling really, really bad was Stroll. So, God, I don't want to make any, like, really evil observations, but it is curious that, like, Sargent, who's way behind Albon talent-wise, he couldn't finish the race. And then you look at Alonzo versus Stroll. Again, Alonzo at 41 or 2, he seemed to be doing just fine with the conditions. It was hard for everyone, and he was able to do it. He even said at some point, I think it was him, that his seat was hot. Yes, he wanted them to pour water water on on it. So, like... Everyone was dealing with the same shit. Yes. And it's all these young kids. The ones that aren't doing very it's well. It's very spoiled, interesting. This is young spoiled My children. My theory, though, is the fact that they're stressed out. Like, those are the most stressed out drivers. So maybe ah. they're not sleeping as much. They're not drinking as much. They're not eating as much. So their bodies are a little bit more not as ease. And the rest of them are relaxed and eating the food they want and stuff. And that's how they kind of survived it. I love that theory. And you're probably right. The toll they're on mentally versus mm-hmm. their, their much better teammates. Well, and did we see, uh, everyone see Stroll push his trainer after I'm oh, yeah. session? I'm so sad I didn't see that. I read that happen, but w- tell me about that. He was heated. He got out of the car. P- after the race? No, this was after qualifying. Okay, which well, of the two qualifying? <laughs> the sprint shootout? Uh, the race. I, I think, think it was the actual race, race. It was the main qualifying. He, okay. Yeah, he'd gone out in Q1. And his trainer was there looking like he was trying to usher him a different direction or something, you know, down those hallways and just not big of a deal. And uh, Stroll just shoved him. Two hands on the chest. Yep. And mm-hmm. you can't, at least what I could see was you saw the trainer behind the wall and then Stroll lean in and push. Oh, my God. But you couldn't really see the contact, you know? But, uh, like, obviously, that's yeah. what he was doing. And then his post-race interviews were insane. Cool. Like, just it was nothing, miserable. Nothing, just one or two word answers and completely short and miserable. He was just swearing, so all you heard was beeps. Yeah, the first few questions were all beeped out, and then it was one or two word answers. Well, he said, he he claims that he passed out several times during the race behind Mm -hmm. the wheel of the car. (laughs) And there's footage of him this morning on the straightaway and his head's just flopping side to side on the straight. Have you seen this? No. I think he really was out several times. (laughs) Yeah. Well, when he got out of the car, he walked up to the ambulance and like he stumbled out front of the car and he goes and he like leans on the ambulance, like trying to get into the ambulance. Like it was not. Can you imagine feeling like that and going through the G-force in those high-speed corners? Like that's gotta fuck you up. Well, suck my, it up, man. That's all I gotta say. My takeaway was Qatar answered the question: What would a race look like if all the drivers had eight whiskey sours just before the start of the race? To me, it was like watching everyone was a little inebriated. Some people could handle their booze a little better. Of course, yeah. Max was dynamite under eight whiskey sours. But it just, everyone was kind of impaired. It was so wild. It's shocking there wasn't a, a real incident. I don't know. I, I think it's dramatic. Dax, as a parent, how, how would you feel with this situation? You own an F1 team. You've put your daughter in, your son in, whatever, and they clearly are not there. They're not up to it. And it's not like it's a new thing. This has been several years in the making. You've given them a big shot. 
that this is your F1 team and it's costing you tens of millions of dollars. And not only that, it's stressing out your kid. Yeah. It's humiliating them on international global TV. When does this end? Because Lance is clearly a good driver. He's done a good job. In, at certain times, but when do you just end the torture? Well, let's also acknowledge, yeah, you're watching the graph of him, and it's just in a nosedive. It's clearly to him at this point, Lawrence Stroll, the dad, it's not getting better. It's going to get worse and worse and worse. Now he's shoving the help like a real spoiled brat. He's, fucking, he's been doing that since the toddler, yeah. probably. Yeah, well, <laughs> go ahead, Matt. But yes, you, you have the answer because there's a big rumor right now. Before the race that came out, it's rumored that Lawrence is going to sell to a Saudi fund for $800 million all of his stakes in Austin Martin, mainly because Lance wants to be done with F1. So it kind of paints this picture. Maybe Lance is just desperate to go out with like maybe doing okay, but... He doesn't look like he's been having any, even when he was doing okay at the beginning of the season, he never looked like he was having any fun doing No, the happiest he's, happiest he's been all year was a bunch of wrist surgery with pins all over his hand. Like, that was the apex of happiness for him was two severely damaged wrists. But, you know, it, it just, it's, it's actually heartbreaking because not only has he done bad, but his dad kind of did what his dad does, which is he rolled in, he made an investment, he's probably going to double it. The dad won. He took the team from whatever, eighth to fifth in the constructors. Like, the dad continues. This has been a win for the dad, ultimately, as, in, as a, a foray into owning a Formula One team. And the shadow he lives in, and here it's happened again. I wonder what Lance thinks, because also, like, if my kids wanted to race and I had the means to do whatever, or whatever they want to do, but I had the means to basically make that happen. Lawrence bought his way in. I would let him race as long as he wanted. He's making money, whatever, if he wants to. He's making to, my money. Yeah. <laughs> he's making my money, and I'm making money. Um, but like like you said, Lawrence is making, he, the money, the financial aspect is not an issue. So he could tank that team for all he cares. He's giving his son the opportunity to do this that he might not otherwise get that probably wouldn't have that opportunity. So I wonder if Lance is, feels forced or if he just has a bad attitude about it. Well, look, I, I don't want to get morbid about it, but it's getting Shakespearean. I think he's getting closer and closer to there being a real tragedy. Like the end of this already horrible story that's been playing out for three years is he gets really fucked up in the car because he's not driving at his best anymore. He's not happy. Do you see them getting him out of the car at the end of the race? Like, they, he could, they could barely get him out of the car. I mean, mm -hmm. the, if, the, if the race had gone on eight laps longer, I don't know. So, me, I see what you're saying. Like, who gives a fuck? If he likes it, wants to do it, I got the money, who cares? That's an argument. But I think if you just look at where it's heading, I think he needs to save his son from himself at this point. Like, maybe yeah. Lance doesn't have it in him to actually quit. And I think this mm. is, I think Lawrence selling the team, to be honest, is his way of, of getting the, the son to quit before something even gnarlier happens. I think his safety's actually on the line here a bit. As is Logan's. I don't think if I were the parent of Logan, I'd want him in a car anymore. Yeah, I agree. No. That, that does feel vaguely tragic, doesn't it? It just, you can almost see his mental health being pulled apart incident by incident. It's a horrible thing to happen. And it is also wild that he's 60 times better of the driver of you and I. That's what's insane yeah. about it. Yeah, they're all, no matter who, <laughs> even when we're making fun of certain drivers, whatever, they're all operating at a level that we can't even contemplate. But yeah. if you can't do it, you can't do it. And, it. and it's just horrible seeing really young guys having their, I don't know, their whole lives, everything they've ever dreamt of doing, and it's turning into a nightmare in front of billions of people. This is the only point where he's been saved by not being super successful because he actually will be able to retire and travel through the world without anyone in real <laughs> world looking at him and mm -hmm. saying, oh God, that's the guy who left up. No one even, this is where it's been a blessing that he wasn't for Stappen because he can pretty peacefully just take, take a bow and he's not really going to be pointed at in restaurants. Did you see, uh, did you listen to all the Logan back and forth radio chat when he was going to retire. It was so sad. And also so sad. He didn't want to, right? He didn't want to. And he was, yeah. it was like, he, I know I can really, I can do this. I can, and it's, it's like, like coach. Don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you could tell the engineer was like, well, don't push it. Like, bring, you know, like they weren't on that same level. Like they weren't motivating him. They weren't like, you're right. If you can do it, we're behind you. They're like, well, maybe think about it. I guess we'll leave it up to you. But he was trying no, to give they're this, like, like no shame in retiring. No yeah. shame in retiring. And he was trying I to give this. he was still running at that point. Yeah. 
and he was giving this emotional speech. And like, Some, just, sometimes the bravest thing you can do is quit. <laughs> yeah, they did say there's no shame in bringing the car in. <laughs> and we're not just talking about this race. <laughs> Anytime you feel like just bringing the car in. <laughs> and even, let's go a step further, like let, getting on a plane going back to Florida for good is a very heroic move no shame. at this point. <laughs> oh, boy. It is such a boilerplate, this sport, man. To to be as good as they are but not have everything it takes is cruel. It's a wicked, wicked sport. Um, What do we think about in general? And we got to be careful because where Matt is currently when I ask these questions. But these races in the Middle East, you know, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, Dubai, this the, with the heat and the projections of where global warming's going and the fact that they have to already race at night, they got to be able to figure out a roof, right? Indoor, yeah, yeah. first indoor everyone track. I mean, if anyone <laughs> could do it, honestly, it sounds good for the environment. What about underground? That, that could be great. Yeah, subterranean <laughs> race. Okay, oh, cave racing. Although, without wanting to pour scorn on the idea of building a huge dome that they live under, <laughs> a greenhouse. What about just the cool suits that they wear on the grid anyway? Like you can just get a plug-in cool suit, put it into the car, yeah. job done. Like what? What's the yeah. big deal? I don't understand. Why don't they use those? <clears throat> In fact, I was doing Google searches yesterday while during the race, like because every other kind of racing, you can wear a cool suit. Why don't they wear one in F1? I assume it's just some historical rule. I don't know for sure. It just seems so logical. I mm-hmm. I agree with Charlie to a certain extent. This is about extremes. And I think as long as your like health isn't completely on the line, I like the idea of them having to go through the ringer. But if it's got people literally being hospitalized, people being sick in their helmets, then maybe if it's unseasonably hot, like it's even hot for the Middle East, isn't it, at the minute? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem too bad a thing to be like, yeah, we'll we'll give you a cool suit and it'll drop it to, instead of being 55 in the car or whatever, it's 35. That that seems good to me. I think yeah. as long as there's one person that's fine, they should all have to suck it. <laughs> yes, very Charlie of, of you. Of course. <laughs> yes. As long as one person can make it, yes. Um, if all but, 20 of them are dying. cold water. I, I agree. Like, with, why can't they have cold water? Like, I agree with you. I agree with you, Jethro, that it's put them under their feet to the fire. That's what makes it good. But I will say any challenge that lowers their mental ability to make those decisions, that to me is off the table. Like as they're overheating and becoming dehydrated, their actual thinking's getting worse. We can't really put them in a situation where their mental faculties start breaking down. That to me seems like the line. Like you can't deprive them of oxygen. They can't race on Everest. You know, there's a couple <laughs> things. We need them to be mentally sharp. I think Max was operating at 100%. So they need to adopt his... Whatever he was, his training looked like, that's where they need to be. They need to grab his DNA, though. I don't think you can yeah. train your way there. There's no high elevation training that can make you max. But did Lewis moan about it? Because Alonso didn't really, did he? I mean, he said his seat was hot, but he wasn't that fussed well, about Lewis the race. Well, Lewis wasn't in the race. Right? Well, Lewis did, oh, Lewis yeah, did the, yeah, yeah. 100 sure. meters. Yeah. But also, did you hear when he was walking back, he was walking back and he walked back the wrong way. And today it was announced he was sued $50,000. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. Yeah. He crossed the track. And although there was a huge gap, uh, George was coming out of the pits right at that moment. And there's a picture where he's not far off the track and George is right behind him. (laughs) Can you imagine? I would have solved that. Imagine (laughs) if he had have taken him out. (laughs) And got speeding for down pit lane penalty. He just gunned it. Oh my (laughs) god. That's like the ultimate conclusion of Charlie's view of racing. Is that to beat your teammate, you just mow them down. Yeah. Yeah, it's like escalate, 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 dead. Yeah. Okay, great. You're going into me at turn one. I'm killing you on pit row now. And And then replacement. (laughs) We'll find a new one. What do you guys think about Lando being called off at the end? Or to hold position. Oh, that was bullshit. He wasn't... Listen, that annoyed me so much. He was two and a half seconds behind calling for a flip of position, and he never got within a second. 1.8. He didn't have the pace at all. In... in, I think that was pageantry. If Lando thought he could have passed him, he wouldn't have even called in. Lando's not going to heed the team instructions about passing Piastri. Not, no way. So if you ever see that he hasn't passed Piastri, it's because he can't. It was early. Like, he wasn't able to pass even with it in that lap. I mean, he was several seconds behind. Yes. So, like, there was no issue yet. And he was saying, clearly, I have the pace. And it's like, yeah. no, you don't. You actually don't at all. Uh-huh. And Piastri's in the position to drive however fast he wants because yeah. Max has checked out. So he could have picked it up. He could have slowed it down. He could have done anything. Yep. 
I found that to be really annoying. They were like, Russell, no, not because of Russell. They like totally even lied to him. Like it didn't even make sense that Russell was not going to catch him. And Lando called him out on the lie, which was pretty funny. Of all the things that are triggering you, Charlie, about their, that they're just not tough enough, that to me is the ultimate cop-out, is calling to have the team let you go ahead of your teammate yeah. when you're not even within DRS of them. Mm-hmm. Oh, puke. I hate it. I like that he wants to race, but he shouldn't have said that. Like you say, if he was going to do it, he should have just got stuck in and done it. And I, I think there is some flashpoints to come with those guys because if anyone's going to get near Red Bull, it looks like McLaren. And, and next year, maybe that's going to mm. be the big rivalry. And when they're sharing the same piece of track every other weekend and there's something big on the line, wins, podiums, championships, they have a lot to come, I think, is going to be pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. The only person that's going to get upset is going to be Lando because Oscar is just going to be like, all right, I guess I lost this race. Yeah, he seems completely unflappable. Like when he got second, he was like getting interviewed and he was like, well, to be honest, I'm not too sure. I think I need to give the FIA another five minutes. It's just <laughs> <Yeah>. so perfect. <laughs> well, that brings us to P10 uh, because I got, I'm watching, I was really the only one that was kind of in the hunt. Or who else? Did anyone else? That whole race was hard because yeah, you couldn't tell where anyone was. And then they're, you know, they're talking about a race for fourth as George Russell's in 18th. I know. The, yes, the order flip-flopped and it was every just, nine laps in that race. So I think maybe I was close at some point, but ultimately I don't think Yuki was anywhere close. Gasly was looking really, you know, yeah. and you you take away one of his two penalties. Like, he's he's got – everyone around him's got penalties. He's got penalties. He's, like, fluctuating between 8th and 11th. For me, I was like, oh, my God, this is I, as close as I felt like I've been in many, many races. And I'm just trying to keep track of everybody's penalties, and I'm doing the math, and Perez is going to drop it. I'm like, this is too much. It's like calculus at this point. I felt hard done by because Alonso was way too quick, but then he spun to go down to like, was it sixth, I think? And then he, when mm-hmm. he rejoined, it was a clear penalty. Oh, and he didn't get yeah. anything. That he was completely insane. That was insane. Yeah. I was like, if he gets a 10-second penalty, I'm suddenly in mm-hmm. the game. But nothing came. Not, not a single thing. Is that right, Matt? Yeah, I checked so many times because I was like, I feel like this Alonzo penalty is going to come like three days later. Like, it still might happen. You might get it. The FI is probably still talking about <laughs> no, it. No, no, statute of limitations on this. <laughs> it was one of the, the, of all the things, of all the things they penalize, that to me is like, that wasn't that dangerous. Yeah, the coming back on that. That was nuts. Who was, who was it that George almost hit him? Had, or, or maybe it was Leclerc. But uh, I Leclerc, think it was all, yeah. it was oh, all Leclerc. of them, yeah. Yeah, had they been another... 100 feet down the straightaway right there. I mean, it just timed out just barely that they didn't. But he was like coming out perpendicular almost. Like got a T-bone, I'm gunning it, and then just He merged onto the 101. (laughs) Going 180. Full speed. Full speed. (laughs) And every other guy's coming out of a turn, so they're like, their eyes aren't even where he was at. And nor would they ever look down that little escape road for a car ripping out of there. It was a. F- it was cool to watch. Sh- it was a slam dunk penalty. I can't believe I could have maybe got close to P10. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, carry over, carry over. Um, Matt, any any pulp from the paddock we've missed? We missed this. Lando Norris's pit crew fastest pit stop in the history of F1. Yeah. 1.8 seconds. That was like wild. I gotta say, I think we've talked about it before, but it's shocking how good you get at predicting that that tiny sliver of time when you're a viewer and you're watching a pit stop before it comes up on the screen, you know, whether it was sub two eight or if it was sub two, you know, like you can tell if it was between three and four, it's crazy how a tune I feel like I've gotten to that, but I, I will watching, say that one looked fast, but I didn't think it was going to be yeah. 1.8. I can always tell like the ones that are three, Right. Because they, they just aren't in tune in there. Like, there's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a delay somewhere. But it is crazy how consistent, because that last one with Piastri and Norris, where they were close-ish, they both needed quick stops, and they had, like, a 2.0 and a 2.1. Yeah. yeah. And you just, like, take for granted that, I mean, that would have changed both of their races. If one of them got a four, now they're battling at the end. As like, Max got. Yeah, Max yeah. had a four-second stop. But oh, like, yeah, that's why he was so close. Mm-hmm. But it's just crazy how quick and consistent the good teams are. one eight. I mean, it's one just one eight. The the four of us couldn't lift the car up and then put it back down in one eight. <laughs> I guarantee it. <laughs> I couldn't put the jack. No, couldn't yeah. do any one single no. part of that. No, no, no. 
I couldn't even use the gun for that second. One point. I got an interesting thing. Lewis in all the press conferences, and this was different because he was out in the first race or whatever. Everyone's in the post-race interviews or after in their race suits. Lewis is always showered in his whole outfit, looking fancy. I don't know where he finds the time. Do you think he's showering or is he just going disgusting? And also... I want to know how long each of you shower for. We talked about a lot of stuff last week, and I want to know what's your average shower time. Depends if we're trying to get to our 20 a month, I guess. Uh, that's <laughs> a really good point. Plus or minus 30 seconds. By the way, guys, I've been gathering kind of since that conversation. Either people are telling me like they heard it and they, they want to let me know where they're at. <laughs> uh, 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 I've felt a little more comforted by the not in public admission that a lot of gentlemen mm. my age are down in my abysmal numbers. We didn't get your number mm. last week, Matt. Where, where are you at a month? I'm pretty good. Okay, you're solid. Yeah, I'm pretty good. I'm okay. pretty good. I'm not. I'm not that worried. It's it's very fluctuating. Like I can't say there's a consistency to anything. Okay, real streaky. Very consistent while I'm alone in hotel rooms at Wave. But, sure. Yeah. Now, if I were traveling more, that number would go up because I really I make love to myself at a hotel room. I do things I don't ever do <laughs> in my day to day life. I will get bare naked on the top of the fucking bedspread. Like I will. I will use lotion, which I don't use. I'll have like a towel ready that's got some. Give yourself a little body massage. Yeah, it's like my anniversary every time I get into a hotel room. You let the water get warm so the towel's warm and waiting. Yeah, like I walk in and it's like. A uh, reunited and oh my it feels God. so good. Well, for your health, you need more vacation. I make the lighting correct. That's right. Uh, mm. I make myself wow. a, a nice warm meal before it happens. <laughs> I have a Slow fun dancing. little. I have a fun little uh, tie into F one from my weekend. I was in San Diego. Legoland. Legoland beat the shit out of me. I heard you had eighteen Diet Cokes. That's, I did. That, that's well, what got back a, to me. I did. I, I I bought a, you know, the unlimited fountain drink, you know? Yeah. And I texted Eric, how many do I have to drink before it's financially responsible to buy this right. ridiculous souvenir? To drink? amortize the cost. Yeah. And he said, well, at least like five or six. <laughs> and it was 20, 20 bucks. So I was like, well, I got to get 20. I got to make this a dollar a pop. And I was pretty close, 18. Or okay, so. that explains it because I'm like, <laughs> A, what gave you the foresight to start keeping track? Yep. Because for me, I would have been like, I think that about the eighth time I filled it up, I'd been like, oh, wow, we've had a lot of these. But then I wouldn't even really be positive how many. And maybe I'd start counting from that point on, but no. you knew from the get-go. Yeah, I wanted to bring that. I couldn't spend $20 on a Diet Coke. Right. But I could spend a dollar on 20 of them. And how often were you in and out of the <laughs> men's room? Uh, a lot. 20 a, times? A dozen times, probably. <laughs> okay, is that good for your prostate, I wonder? Absolutely. Drinking 18 Diet yeah. Cokes. <laughs> yeah, it's great for it. Um, so we did that on Friday and Saturday, but Friday night I went to a high school football game because oh. Erica and I went to high school together. Yeah. Um, I've never watched a football game there and we asked the boys if they wanted to go and they're like, yeah, let's go. So we went and my buddy that lives down there was there. It was homecoming. To your, your previous school, yeah. your alma mater. Our alma mater. Yeah. Oh. But Alex Albon, his girlfriend, Lily, he professional golfer. Yeah. Went to my high school. Get out of here. Yeah. She's so cute. And they seem to have the funnest relationship from Instagram. She? She's on the women's PGA, right? Yep. LPGA. Mm -hmm. LPGA. But she graduated from my high school. Wow. What a feather in your cap. Yeah. Wow. Um, that, that is full circle. Yeah. She wasn't in attendance though. No. She was probably out there and golfing. It's really interesting. You think about, I think about this often because I'm a greedy pig obsessed with money. The 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 gaps in what these guys earn in F1 is so staggering, right? You have some dudes that are in the, just, they're making a million a year. And then there's other guys making 55 million a year. I guess this happens in the, in the NFL and stuff, maybe a little less so in NBA. I, I don't know, but a huge gap. And then I think his girlfriend's also a professional athlete, but a, a well-paid athlete on the LPGA. I don't know what it is. The point is they're both quite famous and known in their sport, but they're also like they don't have retire next year money. It's just curious. I think about it all the time. Like they've, they're solely dedicated to these two pursuits. And if they don't break through to that next threshold, it just seems a little precarious. And I feel like those two should be really rich. I want them to be very rich, Albon and his 
girlfriend. That's the point of the upside for her is she can keep doing it forever. That's good. So she doesn't. She can transition seamlessly into the breadwinner. And this could be her career for, you know, till she's 40 or 50. Right. He's going to age. He's got 18 more minutes. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, on this race, I'll say I finally have a conviction about who I think should take over Perez's seat. And I think it's Albon. I know it's weird because he was already there and that's tricky, but would you guys agree that like when I think about who would be the absolute perfect teammate to Max, I think it's arguable that Albon's as fast as anyone else because he drives that Williams consistently in 10th. He's clearly fast as hell, but he's not going to rival Max. It seems like the perfect teammate. What do you guys think about Albon at Red Bull? I think he's great, and I think he is one contract away from from having retired tomorrow money because he's done himself so much good at Williams, and I think his next deal is going to be a big deal. I think he will do great at Red Bull, but he's already been on record saying he found Max's car so hard to drive because Max has it in such a peculiar um, on-the-nose feeling, so no understeer ever, just oversteer, which is the quickest way, but it's really, really hard to handle throughout a race and even for one qualifying lap. So I think you're right. If you want to support person for Verstappen who's quick, way quicker than Perez and could be within two tenths, and every time Verstappen wins, he's second, third, whatever, he's the guy. Obviously, in fantasy land, I want Leclerc or Hamilton or someone like that. But yeah, of the people who are realistically in with a shout, I think Albon's the guy. And I have to say, Perez, like we've said before, all the drivers are great drivers. And I like Perez. He is having a mare to the point that it spiraled, I think, almost out of control. And I don't see how he has the seat next year. And if he does, I reckon he's got like three races. And if there's no improvement, he's gone anyway. It, it, it's too much now. Well, the proof of that is in the last two races, I saw a stat how many points McLaren scored versus Red Bull. McLaren has outscored them two weeks in a row pretty dramatically. And to your point, I think a couple episodes ago, like if there was a competitive team, you you just can't have Perez running in 10th and 8th and 7th. It's off the table. And to me, I actually like to see Leclerc Orlando go to Red Bull. I don't want that for either of those drivers. I like both those drivers so much. I think they're so fantastic. I don't think that they're just now destined for second. I don't think either of those drivers beat Max in a championship at all. But for me, that's a big step up for Albon to make some real fucking money and finish second in the points for a long time. And then maybe go to a different team as the number one driver after that. Like, to me, that's just like a really perfect trajectory. Yeah, I don't think it seems very likely that one of those top drivers goes. No, because they're just going to be in second. And they got to know. As cocky as they are, I don't. Other than Hamilton, I think Hamilton's maybe the only one that believes he legitimately would be beating Max. But I don't. I don't have a sense those other his his peers, uh, Lando and, and Charles, who he's grown up driving with. I don't think they think they're going to go into Red no, Bull and, and they, beat Max. And their cars are getting better, so that gap yeah. is coming down anyway. And they want to be their only hope to beat Max is to be in a faster car. Yeah, and so I think Albon might be a good choice. He's kind of the top of that second tier of drivers. Yeah, I'd like to see him there. He could do it. He's a little wild. All right. We well, beat him a time. I've voted. Lawrence and the Stroll boys out. Uh, Albon in at Red Bull. We'll figure out the other stuff at a later date. Are we finally getting Danny back for the next race? Yeah. Cowboy Danny in his prime. In his prime in Austin. His favorite place. And, of course, he. I also like him as a, as a Red Bull teammate to Max, of course. I was a little encouraged because, you know, Danny was driving better than Yuki in his short time back. But then Lawson was driving better than Yuki. So then I thought, well, how good is that data? But but Yuki's been driving better than Lawson now. So uh, all of it to say, I'm I'm hoping Danny comes back and is pretty dominant for the last few races. It seems crazy that they have five drivers for the four seats, the Red Bull drivers. Yeah. And the, all three Alpha Tauris are good drivers and they won't pop one of them into that Red Bull seat. I feel like he, Perez is, like I say, he, he might keep the seat, but if it carries on like this, it, it won't be for very long. And they, they need to put someone else. If you think of Red Bull's mentality to its core, you can see how much they push in every direction. They are relentless, just like Max. And then you've got half of the team working towards a guy who is not performing. It doesn't seem a Red Bull way to do it. Like you're demotivating the team effectively by keeping this guy. And F1 is about momentum. And you have to keep momentum all the time, all the time. And if half the garage is not 
getting that feeling and that good vibes, it, it disappears. And it's such a precious thing where they are at the minute. They're in that Midas touch moment where everything they touch turns to gold. Mm. Everything's good. But we've seen Hamilton was in that not very long ago. Now he's in the doldrums. We've seen it with McLaren in the past, Williams, whoever. They have to keep hold of it. And I think they have to sadly get rid of Perez. You're right. It's like bad for morale. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, uh, it's very exciting. What's next? Next is Austin. Two weeks. And we will be there. So I'm so excited for that. We will have a preview, of course, of Austin next Wednesday. Yes, it's going to be an incredible week next week. We've got all kinds of fun stuff scheduled. Oh, tubing, barbecue, drifting, you name it. It's all on the table. More barbecue. More barbecue than back to barbecue. Uh, we're going to miss you greatly, Jethro, but I guess we'll be able to talk about that next week, how much we're going to miss you. So all three of you are going? Yeah. yeah. You want to come? It's not, not too late. I feel like Matt on the McLaren drive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'll see you all in Vegas, though. So I'm, at least we'll be together for Vegas. Yeah, we're going to close real hard. We've got a handful of races left, and we're going to close real, real hard. We'll be at We'll be at half of the remaining races. Are there four races left or five? Five, because isn't there Brazil, Brazil and Abu Dhabi? And Mexico, and Mexico City. City. Okay. Five so we're going to be about 10% of the remaining races. All right. <laughs> we'll ch- I'll check my math before I make those claims next time. Uh, until next Wednesday, we encourage everyone to push, 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 push. Push, 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 push,